Oh, man, I, I can't tell you how much sometimes I agonize over what to preach. It really, I mean, just just finding the sense of God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say today? I mean, I could come up and say a lot of stuff, but I, I need to hear from God and what he wants said. You don't need to hear from Pastor Joe. You need to hear from Jesus. And um, in this, yes, in this season, in this series greater, and I do this a lot in series, I, I make a list of everything I could possibly think of to preach on, on greater. And, you know, it's, you've, you, we, we've preached on a lot of those things already, so you know, but I, one of the things on my list was greater joy. But even as I wrote it down, I, I knew I did not want to preach on joy because I preached on it a lot, and I just preached on it this last Christmas in our Christmas series. I had a sermon on joy, and I preached on joy. seems like a hundred times to me. I don't know how many times it's been. So I really was not planning on preaching on greater joy, but it was on my list. And then God gave me a dream. And this was a very vivid dream. I, I dream all the time, and most of them are like meaningless nonsense. But sometimes I get this, these dreams that are like, <laughs> do you ever wake that up like, what was that? You know? <laughs> but sometimes you get these real vivid dreams, and it seems like God is saying something to you. And in this dream, I had finished preaching, and I was giving an altar call. And suddenly in this dream, I started singing this old hymn I, that I have not thought of in years, probably decades. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. And in my dream, when I hit the phrase, burden of my heart, the Holy Spirit fell. The Holy Spirit moved. And people began flooding the altar to give their burdens to the Lord. And in my dream, our church had an overflow room, and, and I felt led to run back to that overflow room. And I ran back into that room, and all I did was go back there and sing at the cross. And when I got to the part about burden of my heart rolled away, people began running from the overflow room into the sanctuary to come to the altar to, to give their burdens to the Lord. And I woke up from that dream realizing I need to preach a sermon entitled Greater Joy. Now, you might wonder, how do you get greater joy from that? Uh, well, the two phrases that jumped out to me from the song at the cross were, the burden of my heart rolled away, and now I'm happy all the day. And those were just kind of seared into my spirit. And I knew I needed to preach on on greater joy because I saw this connection between the release of burdens and the joy of the Lord and specifically the fact that burdens in life can steal your joy. We're gonna, I'm going to talk more about that later. But first, I, I want to talk to you just about a few passages that talk about greater joy. Psalm 4, 7 says this, You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. 
Now listen, this was written to a people who lived in an agricultural-based society. Uh, everything was based on agriculture. So having an abundant harvest was the most joyous times of their lives. They understood what it meant when the psalmist said that, that God gives joy that is greater than a, a great harvest. To us, it, it means like the joy that when you got a promotion and your pay got doubled and, and your family's doing great and your kids are obeying and they're getting good grades in school and everything going so good for you. I mean, that gives you great joy. That's what he's talking about. God can give a greater joy than the things that happen to you in life. Even the good things that happen to you in life, God can give you some greater joy than it's greater than the joy those things bring you. God's joy is greater than any other joy. Here's what Peter says about joy in 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9. You love him, speaking of Jesus, though you have not seen him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. I think King James says joy inexpressible and full of glory. Because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Inexpressible joy is joy that is so great that is greater than our ability to describe it. Joy that is greater than words. Joy that is based in faith is greater than happiness, which is based on circumstances. In fact, joy is something we can have regardless of our circumstances. Happiness comes and goes. But joy remains. That's why joy is greater. Joy is greater than happiness. Happiness. Remember, I've taught you this before. The root word of happiness, hap, is the same word that's the root word for happen or happenings. So happiness is based on what happens. Good things happen and you're happy. Bad things happen, you're not happy. Joy goes beyond all that. Joy is greater than happiness. Now, there's two main biblical meanings of joy. One is rejoicing with a shout of gladness. To experience and show great joy, rejoice. And, and I looked up that because, you know, the, to us, the prefix pre means again. So, I mean, what is to joyce again? <laughs> to have joy again, you can say it that way. But I looked it up. This comes from an old French word. And in the French, the, the prefix re can mean again, but it can also be an in, a, a, a prefix that intensifies the verb intensifies it. It makes it more intense. So he, he's saying here that you will have great joy and, and you will experience and show forth great joy. The other biblical meaning of joy is calm delight. So in the Bible, you'll find joyful people jumping, shouting, leaping, singing, dancing, playing instruments, and celebrating. You'll also find people full of calm delight in the Lord, finding their, their joy in the Lord. Even in tough times, they can have a joy. You see, joy is a choice. Even like, it's just like being miserable is a choice. You're going to go through what you go through. Now, how are you going to go through it? You get to choose that. You don't always get to choose what happens, but you get to choose the way you respond. 
And you can go through it with misery or you can go through it with joy. Think about this. When the angel announced the birth of Christ, he said this in Luke 2, 10 through 11. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Greek word here for great is the word mega. We use that word to this day, mega. That means It means huge, really big. Mega. We're having a mega sale at the store. That means it's a, it's everything's on sale and it's a, for good, great prices. But it's mega joy. Jesus came to earth to give mega joy. Would you describe your joy as mega? Don't anybody have to respond to me. But <laughs> Jesus came to give mega joy. Some of us experience mini joy, M-I-N-I, or no joy. Why is that? Because we have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the main things he wants to steal from us is our joy. Why does he want to steal our joy? Because he knows that Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you lose your joy, you lose your strength. So we've got to fight that. We've got to stand against that. We can't allow the devil to steal our joy. It's one of the main things he wants to do. And this week, I felt led then to to do a study on what the Bible says about joy robbers. What things steal our joy? There's a lot of them. I, I did a search this week on the word joy of every time it's used in the Bible, and there's a lot of them. That's a lot of verses. And so I narrowed it down to look at verses that had to do with greater joy or loss of joy, and I found 35 verses, passages, way way too many to use in one sermon. And and those 35 passages had 16 common themes about greater joys and the loss of joy, and still too many to preach in one sermon. So I had to narrow it down to seven of them, which I'm going to speak on today. The first few I'm only going to just kind of briefly talk about because I really want to emphasize what I've heard in the dream about how burdens steal joy. But first of all, I want you to know this. Unbelief can steal your joy. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, were filled, we are filled with joy as we trust him. If we don't trust him, we don't have joy. Joy is a, is a, is a product of faith, not circumstances. If everything's going great, you don't, you don't need a, a whole lot of trust in God. Hey, if everything's going great. But when you're going through stuff, you've got you've to trust in God. And, and can you trust in him? That, that will determine the fact of whether or not you trust in him will determine whether or not you find any joy in that situation. I mean, joy is, is more about what you believe than what you can achieve on your own. It's what you believe about God. And it's impossible to have true joy apart from faith in Jesus Christ. It's impossible. You can have some happiness that comes and goes, but true lasting joy is only found through faith in Christ. So the enemy is always going to attack your faith and try to bring doubt in your mind to where you say, well, can you really trust God? This happened. That happened. You prayed for this this to happen and it didn't. Can you really trust God? When you get into that place of doubting God and not trusting God, you will lose your joy. 
Secondly, prayerlessness can steal our joy. Jesus said in John 16, 23 through 24, I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be full and complete. In other words, if you don't pray, we don't receive. But James said it this way, you have not because you ask not. So this is a simple one. If you want joy, ask Jesus for joy. When's the last time you asked for joy? When's the last time you asked for greater joy? When's the last time you asked for a mega joy? Have you ever? That that might be something to do. Lord, I want this joy that's full and and complete. I I, I need greater joy in my life, Lord, and I come to you in your name. I see from your word you want me to have joy that's full and complete. Mine is empty and incomplete. God, I'm asking you, fill me up with your joy in the name of Jesus and believe for him to do it because unbelief and prayerlessness will steal joy out of your life. Thirdly, not spending time in God's presence can steal your joy. Acts 2.28 says, you've made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Joy is found in the presence of God. That's why Satan tries to keep people out of church. If he can't succeed at that, He'll try to keep them out of God's presence when they do go to church. You can be right here in the midst of a whole bunch of people experience the presence of God, and you're like, what? I don't, I don't sense nothing. I don't feel nothing. I mean, I, 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 I don't get what they're all excited about. Satan will love to steal, steal your ability to get into the presence of God. How does he do that? He keeps you from praising We praise our way into God's presence. So because of that, number four is this. Lack of praise can steal our joy. Listen to Psalm 42, 4 through 5. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy, giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. This verse is about somebody who stopped going to the church, stopped gathering together with God's people. They stopped being in the corporate manifest presence of God. And and listen, sometimes stop going to church and stopping praising God kind of, kind of, go together, and that that can cause us to lose our joy. And when this person realized what they lost, when their mind went back to, man, I remember those days when I was in the middle of the congregation, my hands were up, my mouth was singing and shouting. I was in the presence of God. I was grateful for all God who's done, all God's done for me. And now look, all I am is discouraged. All I am is sad. What what am I going to do? What what do I need to to do? And they realized, I know what to do. I've got to start praising God again. You've got to get your praise back in order to get your joy back. 
You're waiting for some joy to start praising. Listen, you got it backwards. It's never going to happen. You got to get your praise back to get your joy back. And now listen to this. There's many Bible verses that tell us to sing for joy or shout for joy. Pastor Deb led one at the, with a call to worship this morning from Psalm, I think it was 66. Shout for joy. You got to shout for joy or, or, or sing for joy. Now listen, the word for has two main meanings. It can mean because of, sing or shout, because you have joy. Or it can also mean to attain or to be the cause of. Sing or shout to cause joy. Sing or shout to attain joy. So either way you look at it, no matter what you're going through, we should be singing and shouting for joy. If we're already joyful, sing and shout. If you have no joy, sing and shout so you get joy. Lack of praise will steal your joy. Fifthly, disobedience to God, specifically lack of love can steal our joy. John 15, 9 through 11, Jesus said, As a father has loved me, so have I loved you. You realize that? Just like God loves Jesus, Jesus loves us. That's pretty amazing. Now remain in my love. See, the enemy wants to steal that from you too. He steals that from some of y'all on a regular basis where you don't feel love, you don't even feel God loves you. You you don't remain in it. You don't abide in his love because the enemy comes in. Oh, you did this. Oh, you did that. Gets you under condemnation and you lose your joy. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed the Father's commands and obey in his love. Uh, Sorry. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, listen, and overflowing. Obedience to God Contrary to popular opinion, obedience to God results in joy. People think God's just out out to steal all pleasure out of my life and give me all these rules and regulations so that that I can't have any happiness in life. No, obedience to God results in joy. And Jesus said that the greatest command is to love God and to love people. When we love God, Jesus said here, we obey God. When we obey God, we love others. And loving God and loving people will bring us greater joy. Not just any kind of joy, greater, fuller, complete joy. Notice Jesus said that when we obey, his joy would be in us. It's not your joy increased. It's not your joy improved. It's his very own joy, the same joy that enabled him to endure the pain of the cross for the joy set before him. He endured the cross for so that he could see his family. That's, that's us. You can have that kind of joy. Jesus had joy. The Bible says God anointed him with joy above all his brethren. He had more joy. We think of Jesus as a, as a sad person, and he was a man of sorrow acquainted with, with grief but he was a man full of joy more than any other person who ever lived and he wants to give that joy to you. That's why Satan tries to steal it. That's why he works so hard to steal your joy and he doesn't directly come in and just just take your joy. He knows that joy comes when we obey God's command to love him and to love people. 
So the enemy tries to get us to disobey the will of God and the plan of God. He tries to get us upset with people to the place where we do not obey God's command to love them and forgive them. And when, when that happens, we lose our joy. The only way to get it back at that point is, is to repent to God and to repent to others. We get it back by repenting and by receiving forgiveness and by forgiving those who wrong us. Until we do, we will have no joy. Don't think you can hang on to bitterness, unforgiveness, and joy simultaneously. You cannot. You cannot. Number six, not spending time in, the, in the God's word can steal our joy. Psalm 19, 7 through 8 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. God's word shows us the, the secret to contentment, to joy, to rest. His word offers hope to the hopeless and and faith to the fearful and strength to the weak and, and joy to those who've been weighed down with the burdens of life. So if you want to get your joy back, get back in the Word. Because it gives joy to your heart. And that brings me what I, I want to, to the place where I want to spend the rest of this message on burdens can steal our joy. Burdens. Burdens include problems, weights, worries, concerns, fears. Anything that weighs you down, it's, it it's weighs you. It, gives you. it puts you under pressure. It steals your joy. Burdens are common to us all. It could be a financial burden. You don't have enough money to pay your bills. All of us have been there at some spot. Maybe you got debt, it feels like you'll never pay off. There's, there's marriage burdens. Marriage takes a lot of time, work, energy. If you have children, that's, that can give you a whole other set of burdens because you're responsible for them and to, to raise them up and to, to raise them spiritually and emotionally and, and physically. Life is full of responsibilities, and, and sometimes the, the, the burdens of life can seem so heavy for us to bear. And the great thing is that Jesus sees our burdens. He sees our weariness. He sees our, our struggles. And he cares about what we're going through. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. He didn't say cast some of your cares or cast the big ones. He said, cast all of it on him because he cares for me. The word cast means to throw upon, to, to put upon. God tells us, cast all our cares on him. And the problem is we usually cast our cares, but then we take them back. And, and I was thinking about this the other day. I was driving and kind of meditating on this passage and the, this sermon. And, and, and it made me think, when I, uh, this part about casting made me think about fishing. Because when you fish, you either cast a net or you cast a hook. And whenever you cast a hook, you got to reel it back. Cast it, reel it. Cast it, reel it back. And this is what many of us do when we cast our cares on the Lord. We cast it, it's like, whoops. Take it right back. Cast it, take it back. 
And when we do that, what do we do? We take the burden right back upon ourselves. And another word for cares is anxiety. Psalm 94, 19 says, When anxiety was great within me, your comfort brought joy to my soul. See, the opposite of cares and anxiety is is joy. So God wants to replace our cares and replace our anxieties and replace our fears and replace our burdens with, with greater joy. For that to happen, we've got to do what the Amplified Version of 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately. Stop taking it back. Stop taking it back. Cast it on Jesus and leave it there. If you reel it back, you will constantly be in this emotional roller coaster. You'll constantly be in that place where you don't really have joy because you keep staying weighed down with these burdens and these cares and the and, and worries. And the fact that you keep taking it back is another indication that you really don't trust God. Yeah, sure, God, but wait a minute. There's something I need to do to take care of this. I mean, certainly there's something I I, I can do with this burden and and this weight. Certainly I I need to be carrying part of it. But but what we got to really do is what Jesus said to do. In Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, for I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus shows us how to lay those burdens down, how to lay those pressures down, how to lay those anxieties and cares and worries and fears down and find rest in spite of all we go through in life. First he says, come to me. Thayer's Greek lexicon says it means come now. Some of y'all are planning on casting some burdens on, on God sometime, somewhere in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready to somehow cast these burdens on him, but right now I'm kind of sorting through them and seeing what I want to keep and what I want to throw out. You know what I'm saying? But he didn't say do it when it's convenient. He didn't say do it later. It says it means come now. The time to come to Jesus is always Now! Now is the day of salvation. And notice Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'll come to you. He's just not going to just take it off you. He said, no, no, you come to me. And here's the criteria for coming to him. You've got to be weary and burdened. Some of us think, just like a sinner thinks, well, if once I deal with my sin, then I can come to Jesus. No, you got it backwards. You come to Jesus. And he deals with your sin. And some people think, i got to deal with these worries and fears and burdens and pressures, and then I can go to Jesus. No, you go to Jesus. You give it all to him and let him take it from you. You bring it to him, and he will give you rest. Listen, the Lord never promised us that life would be easy. We all have jobs. We all have responsibilities. Sometimes those get tough. Sometimes there's pressure. Someone mentioned it this week of having a pressurized time at work. Some of you all know when there's a time pressure and the, the whole plant is shut down, I mean, he works at a FedEx facility. If he's, if his, uh, and if the packages aren't moving, nothing's getting delivered. That's, there's, there's pressure. 
Some of you have been under pressure like that. You got to get these. You're going to have them. But if if those times of of intense pressure, if we will come to Jesus, He will even in the midst of those give us rest, give us peace, give us calm. That's the only place true rest is, is found. And, and the world would make us think that that the absence of conflict and and the absence of stress would bring rest. So we try to just get out of all these situations that are pressure. But uh, but you'll never. <laughs> Able be able to get out of every pressurized situation in life. And in fact, trying to escape adds its own set of stresses, worries, and conflicts. Instead, Jesus wants us to come to him and find rest in the midst of our stress and burden and conflict, conflicts. And, when, and that rest is found in him, only in him. And that's only when we trust him, have faith in him, and actually give our burdens to him. Then Jesus says this, and it's kind of interesting because he's talking to people who are burdened and weighed down, and he says, take my yoke upon you. First we come to Jesus, and then we take something, and what we take is a yoke, and this is a paradox because Jesus is asking somebody already burdened to take a new weight on them. He says, take his yoke upon you. Now, we don't live in a culture where there's yokes, so I'll I'll show you what a a yoke looks like. That's what it looks like. That's a yoke, and you put it on animals, mainly oxygen, oxygen, oxen. (laughs) Those two are oxygen. (laughs) Those are oxen. What can I say? It binds these animals together. Do you know animals, it's, it's synergy when they're bound together like that. One can, let's say one could pull 2,000 pounds, and you think, okay, then two could pull 4,000 pounds. No, when they get two together, they pull like six or 8,000 pounds. It's, 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 it's pretty amazing. Uh, but this helps guide the animals, keeps them together so they're, they're more effective. And, and the strong, there's a, usually a stronger animal and a more trained animal and they'll put a younger weaker animal with that one that they will guide them uh, to learn the yoke forced the weaker animal to follow the stronger one and when we take his yoke upon us we are bound together with christ and he's the stronger one and he's the one who knows where he's going And when we get yoked with him, we must follow him. He turns, you turn or you're going to have a really sore neck the next day. (laughs) When he's, when you're yoked with Christ, he determines the, the direction you go. He determines the speed you go. And he provides the power to go. Being yoked with Christ is a good thing. Yes. Because Matthew eleven thirty says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we're yoked to the Lord, our, our work is easy compared trying to do it all by ourselves. We're just out there huffing and puffing, trying to pull the plow in our own, and we can't hardly move an inch. But when we take his yoke upon us, listen, we also get his burden. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. So he has a burden. What is his burden? Now, this might be 
sounds strange, but Strong's Concordance says that the word burden is an invoice as part of a freight shipment or for a task or a service. Probably thinking, what? (laughs) That is just strange. An invoice is a bill for services rendered. If you ship something, you have the burden of paying for it. We've had to raise money for sending stuff to Africa in containers, and it, it costs a lot of money. That's a burden to get it over there. And if the bill is big, the burden is a heavy burden. The reason that the yoke of Christ is light is because he has already paid it all. This is good news today. When Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, that, that literally means paid in full. And if Jesus paid in full your debt, why are you still trying to pay? Jesus has paid for every sin you ever have committed or ever will commit. He took our debts. The Bible says they were written out. Everything that was written against us, he took it. The invoice. Here's the debt. You sinned. You deserve to die. You deserve an everlasting hell. No, but he took that. He nailed it to the cross. That was nailed to the cross. And Jesus paid for all of them in full. Stop trying to add to the finished work of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more you can do. Trying to do that is like having your car paid off, yet you keep going to the bank wanting to make another payment. And they look at you like you're crazy. We already paid that car off. I told you last month, the car is paid off. We don't need your money. Would you keep going to the bank trying to give them more money after your car is paid off? Yet some of us do that spiritually. Christ has already paid the price for every sin we have ever committed or will commit. Everything that was against us is wiped out, erased, taken away, nailed to the cross, no longer remembered, cast into the sea of forgiveness. And when we truly understand and truly, truly believe that, it results in greater joy. So stop trying to make yourself pay for what is already paid in full. Sometimes people are trying to add more works. If I only do this, if I only do that, then I'll be worthy if I can do this or do that. Or you just try to beat yourself up thinking that somehow beating yourself up and getting under condemnation is somehow going to pay a price. No, 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 no. Stop it. Stop carrying the burdens that Christ has already cared carried for you. It reminds me of the story of years ago, there was an old man back in the days before motorized vehicles, there was a man driving a wagon to his market, and he saw an old man laboring with a heavy weight on his shoulders. So he stopped his wagon, and he asked the man if he could give him a ride, and, and the, the old man gratefully, oh, yes, I'm so tired, I thank you so much for giving me a ride, and got up in, in the wagon, and, and a few miles down the road, the, the driver turned around and see, to see how the old man was doing, and, and to his great surprise, he saw the old man still straining under the weight of the heavy burden he was carrying. He hadn't taken it off his shoulders. And the driver said, sir, set that load down. There's no need to carry it anymore. And the old guy says, oh, I couldn't expect you to do that. You were kind enough to give you a ride. I wouldn't expect you to carry my load too. 
failing to understand that once he got in the wagon, everything he carried, the weight of it was in the wagon already. He didn't need to carry it any longer. And many Christians fail to understand that once you are in Christ, he carries all the baggage that you bring with you. He carries all your burdens. So why are you continuing to struggle under their weight? You struggle under the burden of worry when you can cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. Why struggle under the burden of lack when all your needs are met in Christ? Why struggle under the burden of fear when God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us power, love, and a sound mind. Why struggle under condemnation when you are the righteousness of God in Christ? I ask you today, why struggle anymore? Well, I ask you today, cast your burden on the Lord. Come to Jesus, cast your burden on him. Take up your yoke and you will enter into his rest and receive greater joy in Jesus' name. <clears throat> So what's God saying to you today? What's God saying to you today? If you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you've never been born again as our prayer team comes down, you're going to struggle with lack of joy and being a burden your whole life. So you give your life to Christ and let him. Come to him. Come to him. Come to him. That's what we, he said, come to me. I'll take it. Whatever you're struggling with. Maybe you're struggling with a burden. You need to release to the Lord. I'll sing you what I sang in the dream. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled it was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Is that your testimony? Is that your testimony? Had the burdens of your heart been rolled away? As we stand together, I'm asking you, if you're feeling the burden life on you, something's weighing you down, I am telling you, come to Jesus, 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 cast it on him, he will take it from you, he will carry it for you, and he will give you greater joy, in Jesus' name, we're going to sing one more song, if you need prayer for anything, come on down, we'll pray for you, thanks so much for being here, love you. Have a great day.